0: I'm looking forward to a day where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more saying goodbye to your loved ones. Um, I I I don't know, the older I get, the more real that is to me. And I don't know if it's because the bones are popping and the, the hair is turning gray and falling out and all the rest of it or what, but the reality that life is short and this isn't all there is to it is a reality to me right now. And I'm thankful for the promise of eternal life, Amen. <laughs> Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 20 and stand with me if you would for a little bit. John chapter 20, that that was a real blessing. I appreciate that song. John chapter number 20, John chapter number 20. And I will say that uh, soon we will probably uh, be having a baby dedication uh, for our child. Uh, and if there's anyone else that wants to get in on that and uh, wants to dedicate their baby or their child... Uh, if you have questions about that, you can see me. Uh, we'll probably be doing that sometime soon in the not-too-distant future. John chapter number 20, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say to her, Woman, why weepest thou? That's a, that's a great question, by the way, whenever you find yourself crying. What, what, what has you crying? What, by the way, God cares about that. <laughs> Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? What are you looking for? She's supposing him to be the gardener. saith to him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, I love this Mary. And as soon as he says her name... Once he calls her by name, look at this, she turneth herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. In other words, once she heard the Lord call her by name, she knew exactly who the Lord was. And you say, what is that? That reminds us our God is a personal God. He knows us by name. Jesus saith to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and they had spoken these things unto her. Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, this is Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, "Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me; even so send I you." When we had said this, he breathed on them. Look, there are some people I don't want breathing on me. Amen, amen. 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 I'll never forget. Years ago, there was a preacher that me and my wife both know. Good man, loves God, but he was kind of the guy that just be like, "Hey, brother, how are you?" And it was just like, "Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm awake now." Amen. There's some people you don't want breathing on you, but man, it is a blessing when the Lord breathes on you. Amen. Amen. Uh, he breathed on them, the Bible says, and say unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they're, retain- they're remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they're retained. Now, I want you to capture from verse 19 to 23. That's, that's a, a great church service right there. That's all that the Lord did in, in one meeting. He breathed on them. He gave them peace. They were glad. There's so much in there. But what I really want you to notice is that one of them is missing. Look, if you would, at verse 24. The first word in verse 24, what's the first word in verse 24? All right. This year, less buts, okay? Less less, uh, disjunctive conjunctions in our lives. In other words, less God is working, God is working, God is working, God is working, but I wasn't there. It says, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, you may get on to Thomas and go, What a jerk, doubting Thomas. But can I show you something in verse 26? And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and look at this and Thomas was with them. You say what do you think well, what do you think happened to Thomas in a week's time? I think Thomas heard everything that God did. And I think Thomas experienced a little bit of FOMO. The right kind, the fear of missing out. I think Thomas saw that they came and they go, "Man, it was a great thing. You don't know what you missed out on. It's it was awesome. It was glorious." You ever been you ever been in a situation where like the one time you miss something is when everything's amazing? And everyone has to tell you about how amazing it was. And they're like, oh my God, no, no, no. And they go, oh, I'm so, that's right, you weren't there. I think Thomas experienced the right kind of fear of missing out. And if I could encourage you this year, and it sounds weird, but I, I would encourage you at least in, in one way, be like Thomas. In one way, be like Thomas this year. Learn to experience the fear of missing out for the things that actually matter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh brother Tim, happy anniversary. If you'd open us up in a word of prayer, brother. Lord just prayer to bless the preacher this morning, God. Just uh thank you for know, the way you uh, speak in this church. Thank you for working with you so of us. Yes. amen bc now that term the fear of missing out i really never heard fomo until about uh i guess a year and a half or so ago and i heard that thing and i i I, as the the year was uh, turning into 2023 and I was just thinking about how often we miss out on being where God's at. And here's how we live as Christians. And look, if you're not saved yet, there, there's a huge fear that you ought to have. And the fear that you ought to have is what's going to happen to me when I die? I don't mean the shell. The shell of you is going to go in the ground. I mean the real you, the soul. Jesus says, what shall the prophet of man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You ought to be afraid of that. It, but if you're saved, it, that fear is kind of aside now. You, you ought to have a different kind of fear. And, and, and listen, the reality is this. As carnal human beings, we don't like being the odd one out. I don't like being the one that, you know, listen. And by the way, this is not just something for carnal things like, you know, a party or this or that. Preachers have FOMO too. You know, I can't stand whenever I was, gonna, I was planning on going to, you know, some preacher's meeting or something. I don't get to go. And then I get a call from someone They go, man, the Spirit of God. Oh, it moved in that place. It moved like it's never moved before. And man, you could just feel the Spirit of God moving. And the music was amazing. And this was awesome. And 20,000 people got saved. And oh, Adrian, you just missed a great... Thank you for rubbing it in. Right? You know, the, the reality is none of us like being the odd man out. We don't like looking at pictures, which is why social media is so dangerous in this respect, and looking at things, and everyone's enjoying their life. Everyone's got a boyfriend but me. I'm going to die an Old maid. You're 18. You will not die an Old maid, right? But, but there's that fear of missing out, and so I see everything that's going on out there, and I just feel like I, I want to be a part of all of that, and let me just say this much. Uh, that's a real thing. It's psychologically a term they came up with in 2004. Here's what it is. It is the feeling of apprehension that one is either not in the know or missing out on information, events, experiences, or life decisions that could make one's life better. FOMO is also associated with a fear of regret, which may lead to concerns that one might miss an opportunity for social interaction, a novel experience, a memorable event, or a profitable investment. It is characterized by a desire to stay continually, listen to me, continually connected with what others are doing and can be described as the fear that deciding not to participate is the wrong choice. In other words, man, they're going, I got to go. Oh, man, I just, I feel like all I've done, I've been sick for a week and all I've done is watch everybody else go do this and go do this. and I'm just missing out, right? And let me tell you this, the people that invented social media understand this very well. The way that you get people constantly connected, constantly looking, is because they want to be part of what's going on. And let me just say this, God made us to be social creatures. I'm not saying that's all bad, but can I say this much? That kind of fear can have a devastating effect on your mind, your heart, your health, and yes, your spiritual walk with God. And, and, and I, w- I would say this, the two greatest motivating things I know in, in, people, in human nature is fear and love. If I know what you're afraid of and I know what you love, I will know exactly what makes you tick. If I can figure out what you're afraid of and what it is you're motivated by, I know exactly what gets you up in the morning. And, and you know what God is looking at? God is looking at what you're afraid of missing out on and what it is you love because those two things are connected. Here the Lord goes to this woman and he shows up in the garden. He goes, hey, go tell your brethren that I'm going to go to the father and tell them, listen, it's, gonna, it's, how it's ex- exactly how it's going to go down and he gets them prepared for him showing up. You know what God does in your life throughout the week or what you ought to be doing is allowing God to prepare you to bring you to this place so God can show up in your life in a supernatural way and work in your life. And let me just say this much. You ought to fear missing out on that. For all the FOMO that goes on, I just wish I'd go to that event. Wish I could be at that party. Wish I was, had that family. Wish I had that wife. Wish I had that husband. Wish I had that. You should say, man, I wish I could be where God wants me to be. I recently was talking with somebody. I go, man, I just really, really want this thing. I, I prayed about it. And I, how, do I, how do I get past this? I finally said, look, the only way I can get past this is go, maybe God doesn't think you can handle that right now. So instead of being afraid of missing out on that, trust your Father and say, Lord, you must know what I need. I will not fear missing out on that anymore. I'd rather fear missing out on your perfect will for my life. Fear is like water. It can sustain you and keep you alive or it can destroy everything around you if it's not tempered right. You know what, fear, you know what water does? Water keeps you alive. Go, go, go a, a week without water. You start to hallucinate all kinds of things. It's not good for you. You need water. I mean, I mean water is life. You know how I know? Because coffee is life, amen? And you can't make coffee without water, so there you go. You know what I'm saying? You need water to sustain you. Water is, is what cleans you. Water is what uh, satisfies your thirst. Your body's made up of so much water. You know all these things scientifically? You say, why? Because in the beginning, the Bible says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. But can I also say, a flood can destroy your house. A hurricane can destroy your property. You see, you see, fear is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's what it is that you're afraid of that makes it a problem. Because the Bible talks about something called the fear of the Lord. I'll never forget one time I had some guy got up and goes, well, the fear of the Lord just means reverence and respect. No, no, no. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Yeah. That means fear. Look, look, my kids, you should, well, I just think you should just love God. He's your heavenly father. My children love me. But when they're not doing right, they should fear me. Amen? Amen? (laughs) What was that? I don't know what's going on over here, but I'm not sure what that is. But everybody pray for Bella right now. Amen. (laughs) The Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The Bible says, come you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of of the Lord it must be taught the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it sounds to me like this thing called the fear of God is a positive thing for our lives The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and and instruction. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer, God says in Proverbs 1. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. It must be chosen in our lives. It must be taught in our lives. It is something that will be the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. It will help and preserve our lives to fear the Almighty God. You, you need that in your life. So it's not that fear itself is all evil. There's a healthy kind of... You should look at the road, and when cars are flying by on Hamden, you should not go, I trust God, and just step out there blind. Make sure there's no cars coming. Yeah. You ought to be afraid of traffic running you over. That's a healthy kind of fear. But there's also an unhealthy kind of fear. Yeah. And I believe this. So much of what we consider to be fear of missing out, I believe be unhealthy. Here's some verses that kind of look at the effect of fear, the wrong kind of fear in your life. How about the first time the word afraid shows up in your Bible? You know what it is? It's God, It's man running from God. Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I transgressed the command of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice, Proverbs, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Matthew chapter number 8, Jesus says this, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Listen, there's a healthy kind of fear, and there's an unhealthy kind of fear. There are some things that you should not be afraid of missing out on, and you should not live your life in a social media vacuum. Where you look at everyone else, that's one of the, the worst things about social media, is all you do is watch everybody else live their life. That's not you living a life. That's you spectating, watching everybody else live theirs. All right. But what I'm talking about is getting away from that and going, okay, God, what I do want to be afraid of with the fear of the Lord is, Lord, I don't want to miss out on what matters to you. Would you not say that anxiety is a problem in our society today? Some people are on medication for it. I'm not picking on anyone for that. But I'll say this much, anxiety is an issue in our society today. An estimated 31.1% of U.S. adults experience any anxiety disorder at some time in their lives. Let me just say this, if you have an anxious spirit, you should consider asking where that spirit came from because it's not from God. And and I want to be very careful how I lay this out. And I don't want you know, I'll be very careful because some people will hear something in church and they'll run a million miles with it without actually thinking about what's said. I did not tell you if you're on medication to stop it. I'm simply saying in society as a whole, there are some things you cannot completely fix with a pill. They are spiritual and deep and emotional and complex because you are a complex being. And when there's anxiety in your life, something you ought to do as a believer, because you're not lost anymore, so you shouldn't just go, whatever they say works. You should stand back and go, God, what do you say about this? Where did my anxiety, why am I anxious? Why am I filled with fear? And God, not the right kind of fear. Not fearing you, not fearing missing out on what you want from me, but just fearing everything that's going on, not being in control, this anxiety. God, where did it come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. It's called the spirit of fear. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The world is constantly sucking the spiritual life out of you. Constantly. By redirecting the two things that will motivate you, your love, your passion, and your fears. If the world can redirect your passion and your fears, you will stay in a perpetual cycle of, of constantly just going through the motions of life, and listening me very carefully, missing out on what God wants for you. The party, the crowd, the money, the bills, the four hundred one k, the changing of diapers, the sleepless nights, the investments, the stuff, the people. Just, I mean, my, yesterday I was I was studying in my my. Uh, uh, bat pastor cave, you know, my little office in the house, and I'm studying in there, and I get a phone call, and it's from my wife, who is upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how can I help you? <laughs> uh, so I need you, I need Ariana, and I need Emma right now. I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy. The dogs got into the garage and tore up all, anybody else have overflowing trash right now? Anybody from, like, the holidays? All right, anybody at all? I, I live out in the country. It ain't like in the city where they, you put your can out by the street. Like, they come, like, once every 40 years to pick up our trash, all right? And, and so we're waiting. for The holidays, you all these boxes and presents and all, all that. It just builds up. And so I can't throw any more in the can. So automatically it defaults to the garage. Well, I've got little people in our house who I love so much. And what they've learned to do is shut the door this way. Bam! And so what happens over time is that little locking device, that little mechanism that actually shuts the door, falls out of the door after being thrown a 1,000 plus times. So now when you shut the door, the basset hound that has learned, if I just stick my head there, it'll open the door. And so that dog ran in there and led the rest of the dogs to a revolt. You say, what did they do? They ran in there, they found the trash, and they thought it was holiday. They thought it was Christmas, man. They were excited. They were just tearing in that stuff. They tore the hole. And then after they started tearing in the trash, they realized, no, this is my trash. You're taking a piece of my trash. No, this is mine. And they started fighting with each other. So then I get the blessed phone call from my blessed wife, and she goes, uh, honey, they're now uh, uh, biting at each other over the garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean think of? Human nature. Biting each other over the garbage. You know why some of you are struggling? Because you just, ah, i got to be there. And they had something, and I wasn't there. And they had this going on. And they got a boyfriend. they got a girlfriend. And they have this. And, they have, and I have. And a, they have a better husband. They have a better wife. And they just, look at that. And I just wish I could have that. And the Lord's just going, you need to calm yourself down. And quit tearing into other people's trash. I had no idea how I could turn that into something spiritual, but there it is. I wasn't happy yesterday. I'm like, stupid dogs and stupid trash. And the the, the door doesn't shut. And the Lord's like, you could use this for a sermon if you just quit being an idiot. I'm like, okay, Lord. (laughs) But can can I say that Thomas missed out? Thomas missed out. Look back, if you would, at verse number 24. But Thomas, one of the what? You know what his identity is? You belong with these people these are your people well i you know i'm not a fisherman and i'm not a tax collector yeah 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 yeah. okay but that doesn't matter because for the last three and a half years you have broken bread with them you have eaten with them you slept out under the stars with these guys man you have raised the dead you've healed the sick you've cleansed the lepers you've done supernatural things those are your people and for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. People speculate, you know, was he busy? Was he doing something with his business? Was he working? I have no idea. I do think this. I think Thomas got to a place after everything that took place in his life, after the, 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 failed, uh, the failures of the disciples and failed expectations and maybe even depression because their, their, their master had died at the hands of these wicked, evil people. Maybe after all that, Thomas was just like, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm done. Ever been there? You know what's amazing? The last thing you need to do is avoid being around God's people when you're like that. And yeah, that's exactly what you want to do in your human nature. Kind of withdraw yourself and isolate yourself. And you know what's interesting about this? Look if you would at verse number 19. You know what Thomas missed out on? And I appreciate that he at least had enough sense to come back a few days later and go, if he's going to show up this time, I don't want to miss it. The moral of the story this morning is not, you're bad because you don't come to church enough. The moral of the story is, look, whatever it is in your life that you're missing out on for God, church or otherwise, learn from Thomas and go, I'm done missing out. I'd rather be afraid of missing out on this than being afraid of missing out on what the world. Listen, what if the economy dumps tomorrow and the market crashes and there goes your 401k? We'll all be poor together. Amen. And if you can't afford a 401k, you're like, shoot, I've been poor the whole time. Doesn't matter to me. Right? I mean, but just the fears that constantly go through your mind. You know what you need to be afraid of? Missing out on what God wants in your life this year. You should be afraid of that. You say, what am I going to miss out on if I'm not there? Well, how about the presence of God? Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came who? And stood in the midst. That's an important phrase. We'll come back to that. But can I just say this much? The moment you got saved, you had a promise from God that he would go with you wherever you go. Anybody remember the 80s? Anybody, anybody alive during the 80s? Raise your hand if you're with me on this. All right, I'm vintage 1981. That's where I started, okay? My mom is here today. She can tell you all about it. All right, greatest day of her life, amen? Right, mom? Right, amen. All right, she's got a nod right now. If the siblings watch it, they're like, yeah, you know. Uh, anybody remember my buddy? My buddy, my buddy, wherever I go, he goes. My buddy, my, anybody at all? Okay, thank you. Don't let me, don't don't hang me out to dry. Justin, that was a late hand, man. Next time you gotta be quicker, man. There you go, all right? Because I kind of felt lonely on that one. But you guys, you know what that is? That's a reminder that wherever you go, the Lord's going with you. But you and I both know there's something about the fullness of the presence of God. That when God comes in a space and fills that space, it's like nothing else in your life. And that is what you should be afraid of missing out on. You go, well, I can talk to Jesus in my bathroom. That's true, you do, you can. I can, you know, I, I can go, I, I love when Christian, I just go out to nature and talk to God. You could, but you won't for very long. I could just read my Bible, home. you could, but you won't for very long. I could just worship on my own. Tell me, how's that worship going when you do it by yourself for a year at a time? I can tell you this much, the law of moral gravity states this, that if there's nothing to hold you up, over time you are just going to go down. And let me just say this, those disciples were gathered and Thomas wasn't. You know what he missed out on? He missed out on seeing the Lord. Oh, well, he gets to see him a week later. Can you imagine being the guys that are all there and are talking about the first time the Lord showed up after the resurrection and every single time they talk about it, Thomas just kind of puts his head. You see why? Because he missed out. He said, oh, I can get to it later. Can I say this much? Later never comes for that opportunity. I'm thankful that he's there eight days later. Praise God for that. But he missed out on that. That was special. It was the first time he showed up to his disciples after the resurrection. And Thomas would never be able to say, I was a part of that. You ought to be afraid of missing out on some things in your life that matter to God. How about the presence of God, the fullness of His? You know, we just got done celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. What a great name for our Savior. Amen. God with us listen man sins in the garden and prior to that sin man walked with God and after that sin the Bible says then began men to call upon the name of the Lord in other words God we want you to show up they had to do that because it was no longer as easy as it was before sin before sin Adam was in the garden he'd walk there and God would stand right by him and they would talk to one to the other what an amazing thought Then after sin enters the picture, men began to build altars and to sacrifice and to say, God, if you're there, will you show up? And then God would show up and it would be a supernatural thing. And listen to me, you got saved and God put himself inside of you. What a blessing. But you also know this, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, which means this, sometimes you are not. And when you're not, you miss out on the fullness of the presence of God. You say, what's the big deal if I miss a church service? Well, Thomas missed that when he missed out on seeing the Lord. God shows up to Jacob and wrestles with him. God shows up to Abraham. God shows up for Noah and gives him instruction on saving his family. God shows up to Isaac, to all these Old Testament characters. The Bible says in in Joseph's story, when Joseph was sold into slavery, that the Lord was with him. And then when he was in the prison, the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph in the... Aren't you glad that regardless of where you're at, God can go with you? But there's something special about coming to a place where everyone's just waiting and anticipating the Lord's show up, And that's what Thomas missed out on. Come with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew 18. I believe in rightly dividing the Bible. I'm very well aware that Matthew 18 is before the resurrected Savior, and so it's technically Old Testament. However, one of the things you find out that the Lord does is in, under the Old Testament, before He dies, He gives instruction on what things are going to be like after He's gone. Uh, for example, He tells them, uh, If I go away, uh, I will come again unto you, and I will not leave you comfortless. I'll send the Holy Spirit. He tells him that uh, he tells Nicodemus in John chapter three, before a man could even be born again yet, he tells him you must be born again. How about that? And so I believe in dividing the Bible. However, I don't want to ignore the fact that sometimes even before the Lord's resurrection, before his death and resurrection under the Old Testament, he goes, I'm looking forward to when I'm no longer going to be here. I want to leave you with some New Testament instruction. Here may be an example of this, uh, Matthew 18. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. Matthew 18, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Oh, could Christians write books about brothers trespassing against them, right? If thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the... Now now go down, if you would, to verse number 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the what? Yes. Isn't that exactly where Jesus showed up in John 20, in the midst of them? You know, you had there, you had a little church service. No, they didn't have a building. They had door. listen to me. They had the doors closed because they were afraid of the outside elements. Can, can I just point this out? There are two ways to deal with fear. You can run from what you're afraid of, or you can run into it with God's courage and God's help. They were there with the doors closed for fear of the Jews. I don't know. Maybe that's why Thomas didn't want to associate with them. It's a theory. I can't prove it. But maybe Thomas was so afraid that he said, you know what? I don't want to be there when they get arrested. I want to be doing my own thing. I can't prove it, but maybe that's it. Here's what I can tell you. One group was afraid, and they still moved forward. And one guy by himself was the outsider looking in. You know what Martha and Mary both say to the Lord, if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died. You know why? Cuz in the presence of Jesus no one dies. In the listen to me very carefully, in the presence of Jesus there's life. You know why you ought to want the present the fullness of the presence of God in your life this year? Cuz he is life. He is eternal life. Listen to me. He is abundant life. The, the, the apostles in Acts chapter 5, uh, they're told to go and speak the words. Go stand and speak the words of this life. Can I say this? This life, the Christian life, it's the best life. You know, I don't want to do around my kids, oh, being a pastor is so hard. It is the best job in the world. I love it. Does it mean it's always perfect? No. Does it mean there's some people that are just mean sometimes? Yes. Does it mean there's some people you pray would go away? I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but uh, prob- yes, there's a problem. But I, I hate being around pastors that pass on to their children this woe is me attitude. Like, man, it's just so hard. God did not need to call me in the ministry. He did not need me. He doesn't need you. We've got the, this life, the Christian life. It's the best life. The the opportunity to serve God. To do something that matters for eternity in the lives of... How many people's lives have you affected for bad? How many people's lives can you affect for good? Listen, I look over my life and the words I've said and the things I've done and the people I've hurt. And I go, man, thank God I can redeem some of that by leading people to Jesus Christ. This life is the best life. No one died in his presence because he was life. You know what Joshua needed to hear from the Lord? I will be with thee. (laughs) He tells him that more than once. You know what God tells Solomon? I will be with thee. You know what Jesus says to his disciples? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know what I see in that verse, besides the promise of heaven? I just see that God desires to be with his people. And you know what happens? Something supernatural takes place when we get together and you know what God says? Man, I want to show up. There's nothing like a song service where the Lord shows up. Man, nothing like that. Nothing like a service where, man, everyone's in tune with what the Spirit of God is saying in their lives and I could fumble through the verses and get the illustrations wrong and get the verses out of context or out of order or whatever and still God moves in spite of the instrument that's there. There's nothing like when God shows up in His fullness. Moses goes up on a mountain, and he comes off that mountain a little bit differently than when he went up. His face shone so brightly, they had to put a veil on. What did God, someone go, man, why are you smiling so much? It's just good to be saved. Amen. Man, why are you just like, it's kind of, why are you always like, you know, what's this? Well, I just, I'm just thinking about all my sins and how they're all covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You go to work tomorrow and go, man, why are you so cheerful? You getting a raise or something? Oh, man, I got a raise or I got closer to Jesus Christ yesterday at my church service. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I, I like the idea of our name being new. I know it has nothing to do with marijuana, by the way. New Heights. Someone, someone from outside of Georgia, oh, Colorado, New Heights. No, that has nothing to do with it. We just want you to get closer to Jesus Christ Amen. without the drugs. Amen. Amen. The, the Lord wants to bring you closer to him. He desires that fellowship with you. Do you desire that as well? Do you know what God never does? God never misses out. He's always where he needs to be. Amen. And you know what God's never, God's never like, oh my goodness, oh no, they weren't here. I can't, be, I can't be myself if they're not here. It doesn't work that way with God. It's, it works exactly that way with us. When you miss out on God, you're not who you should be. You so what should I fear missing out on? Oh, I'm missing out on the presence of God. How about this? How about being reminded of the price that he paid? Look if you would at John chapter 20. Go back to John 20. And look if you would at verse number 20. You know what you need reminders of? What stuff costs. Yeah. You know what kids will say? Oh, Dad, it's only 300 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in that case, let's buy it. You know? Oh, but this dress is only $90. $90. Lord, $90 a lot of money. I, I, could, I, could buy, I could buy a lot of stuff with $90. You know how many Happy Meals I could buy? Happy Meals with $90. You go, that's garbage. Well, the dress will be out of style in a few years too. We're even. <laughs> Every once in a while, you need someone to remind you of the value of something. Do you realize when you don't buy anything and everything's given to you, you don't realize the value of it? Like, like um, you know, these... Joe, I'm sure you experienced this growing up in your house and parents buying you things and then you move out. It's kind of not the same, is it? And then poor Joe. Look at, isn't that sad? He's just so sad right now. It's like, man, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I mean, he wants to go back to his childhood. I can see it right now. And and like, you know, your parents buy you food. Food is awesome. Food keeps you alive. And you go out to eat with your parents. They just buy it. Go to college and your friends are hanging out, you know, and, and your meal may even just cost, I remember going to Olive Garden when I was a poor, broke Bible school student, and back then, all you could eat Olive Garden uh, salad and breadsticks was five bucks, yeah. and, and listen, I'm no longer with my family, now I'm with my friends, and it's like, okay, let's split up four ways, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. You miss someone paying for you, amen? You're so anxious to get out of your house and build your own way and, you know, have your car and your apartment and everything else. And then you get out there and you're like, man, being an adult stinks. gotta pay for everything. And then you realize, man, I know this. I went through this as a a young adult. How did my dad on an E6, E7 salary pay for six kids, food and school and all the rest of it? Private school, food. How did he do that? I learned the value when I had to start being reminded of how much things cost. Are you with me? Look, if you would, at verse number 20. You know why it's so important that you do what you're doing this morning? The world is not going to be a constant reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in your life. Coming here with your brethren will. Look, if you would, at verse 20. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Well, what is he showing them? He's showing them scars. He, he's showing them something that we would look at and go, man, that's, that's kind of ugly. He, but he's going, look, I want you to see this. These are the things that Thomas goes, unless I put my finger in them, I'm not going to believe it. You know why Thomas has that kind of attitude? Because Thomas wasn't there when the Lord showed up and said, I want you to take a good look at what it cost me to give you life. I want you to be reminded. Of. You know, it's a great picture of the Bible says, we're the body of Christ. And all of us are different members. And just because you're a foot doesn't mean you should say to the hand, hey hand, I don't need you, all right? I'll do all the running, I don't need you anymore. Well, the hand could say, well, I do all the catching and I don't need you anymore. He gives the illustration in 1 Corinthians 12 about the members of the body and how all of us are different members, but it's one body. Do you know what the Lord is doing when he goes, look at my hands and look at my side? He's showing us that for eternity, he will be imperfect to make us perfect. And In addition to that, you know, it's like it's like coming to church and going, ew. I see some flaws in Tim's life. Oh, <laughs> we were all bundled up in that building. It was like you know, thirty degrees below zero, and Tim comes in a t-shirt. I'm like, there's the Alaska guy. <laughs> like, you know, you get around God's people, you go, oh, they got a problem with their mouth. Oh, he's got a problem with. God. Oh, they got a. Pro-. And the Lord's going, yeah, I just want to remind you, yeah, you got a problem too. I'm showing you some flaws here to remind you what you're all about. You know what the Lord did when He brought those disciples together? He reminded them the price that He paid to make it possible for them to have what they were going to have. I'm sorry, but there's no convention or conference or meeting or place of gathering outside of a local church where you're going to go and be reminded of that. You know why God designed this? You know why this is so special? Because you come here and you get the kids and you got the screaming baby and you got, you know, the, the kid that's probably going to break his arm on the way home and this happens and that happens and, and you just get everybody right in the car and you get to church and it's like a Chinese fire drill and you get there and you make it by the grace of God and the singing starts and all of a sudden you're like, that's why I'm here. That's what it cost. One of Warren Buffett's most famous quotes is, price is what you pay, value is what you get. You got everything out of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. And when you're gathered with his people, you're reminded of that. What an amazing thought. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, that is what redeemed you. How about this? How precious is it that only one person in the universe for all of time could ever pay for all of mankind's sins? How precious and rare is that? You know what happens after a while if you're not careful? You save people. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Like, no big deal. I think sometimes you need to take a trip back to Calvary. Remember the, yes, the beard being ripped out and the crown of thorns being put on his head and the blood rolling down his face and his face being punched over and over and then taking a purple robe and putting it on him and mocking him and putting a fake scepter in his hand and bowing before him and spitting in his face and ripping his clothes off and putting a cat of nine tails on his back and ripping the skin off his back and the blood pouring down and throwing that mangled body on a cross to where his own mother could barely recognize him, looking at that and remembering the reason he did that was because of your dirty, filthy, wicked sins. And for mine too. But you know what happens if you lay out? You miss out on what God's doing and where God shows up? You forget about that. You take a Christian out of church, yeah, I remember a story years ago about a man talking to another, an older preacher about, you know, why is it so, what's a big deal if I'm not at church? You know, and the preacher come to visit him, and, you know, you get knocked knock on the door, and the preacher shows up, and, you know, a couple of thoughts go through your head, you know, and I've had it, have had it happen when I knock on the door, and, and, and someone goes, put out, the, put out the cigarette, put out the cigarette. Hey, don't worry about it. I've smelled that before. Don't worry about that. It's fine. You know, put out this, uh, turn it off. You know, whatever. Listen, preachers are nothing. They're just people like you are. But this preacher showed up, and this man's, you know, sitting down in his chair, and they're talking. He goes, so what's been going on? Well, I just don't, you know, I just don't feel it right now. I just don't see why it's so important. He said, preacher, I wish you could just tell me why it's so important. Everyone's always telling me why it's so important. People getting on me, why aren't I there, and this and that. And they're sitting by an old-fashioned fireplace, and they got some coals in the fireplace. And that preacher says, can I, can I borrow one of those coals? He goes, yeah, you sure can. He takes it out, and he puts it out there on the side, and he just watches it for a minute. And the man goes... Oh. And the preacher looks back and he goes, you get it? See, that coal, when it was sitting there in the midst of all those other coals in that fire, it was doing its job. You take it out and isolate it by itself, and it's nothing. You know, any of us are without Jesus Christ? We're nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. I can do nothing, and without him, I am Nothing. <laughs> He's the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd. And man, he is, he is the I am of the I am's. That's my Savior. But when I look at me, you know, I look at, I look at an incomplete individual without him. I am incomplete without the image of Jesus Christ in my life being refined on a daily basis. And furthermore, I'm a nothing without you. It's the way God designed it. Thomas missed out. I'm being reminded of the price the Lord paid. Can I say this? Thomas missed out on the pleasure of the Lord. Look at verse 20. Then were the disciples. Can I say this? God doesn't want you being miserable, all right? This idea that like, Christianity is like, you know, <sighs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Pray. Like, like, you should have some life and enjoy the Christian life. You ought to be able to laugh every once in a while and not look like you're constipated when you come to church. You ought to be able to enjoy the Christian life. That's what God designed it for. He does not want you to be just just constantly in this this mindset of the only way to be spiritual is to be miserable. Where's that in the Bible? I understand there's a time to mourn. There's also a time to dance. Not like this either, all right? Don't, Don't get carried away. You understand what I'm talking about. There's a time for everything, and I understand that, but you ought to have some pleasure in your life. The problem is most Christians look for their pleasure in this world. If I can just binge watch for season number 27 of my favorite show for 10 hours and my kids leave me alone, I would have pleasure. If I could just sit there and watch 24 hours of anime, if I could just do this, if I could watch NFL Network for 10 hours. Listen, listen if you could just get whatever you thought you would make you happy, you would not be happy. The only way to be happy is to be happy in the Lord if you want it to last. You know what it shows me here in verse number 20? When the disciples saw the Lord, the Bible says, then were they glad. You know what you ought to have in your life some pleasure? The Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before His presence with singing. Listen, listen, there are two ways to deal with fear. Not show up or show up anyways even when you're afraid. And let me tell you something. I'm reminded of the fact that God sent Caleb and, and Joshua with the other men, those 12 men that went to spy on Canaan, and 10 were bad and 2 were good. You know the old song? You know the story. Caleb and Joshua come back, and they say, we can do this. We can do this. You're going to tell me Joshua wasn't afraid? You know how many times God tells them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid? You don't tell someone that's not afraid, don't be afraid. You know, I tell him, quit, don't, don't, okay, when you go there, don't jump off something 10 feet tall. When you do this, you say, well, I don't want him to break any other arms or limbs, okay? I tell him that's because I know that's a possibility. I would never waste my breath doing that with, you know, for the most part, I didn't have that issue. Anyone that tells you girls and boys are the same, they've lost their ever-loving mind. <laughs> they're not the same unless you send them to re-education camps right. yeah. called schools where they try to make them the same. Okay, they are not the same. They are different. <laughs> the reason I say that to one of the children is because he is very prone to jumping. I, I, listen, I, I don't know if it's—I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a Puerto Rican in me. How many famous Puerto Rican skiers do you know? <laughs> famous Puerto Rican skydivers? Anyone? Anyone? You know why? Because we like it safe. Amen. <laughs> we like it on the ground where we can dance. Amen. Not like jumping out of a plane or out of your mind. But I've got a child that would absolutely do that. So I say to that child, hey don't do that. that thing that you want to do, don't do that. God's looking at Joshua. He goes, you want to be afraid? Don't be afraid. Joshua and Caleb go in, they see the land, and they come back and go, we can do this. We be able. You know what the other man said? We be not able. And you know what they did? They spread their fear among everybody else. I love it when someone doesn't have enough courage to do something. They're not content with just leaving their fears in themselves. You should be miserable and afraid with me, Tim, yeah. because then I will feel better about me. Are you with me? Yeah. Those 10 men that came back, you know what their problem was? They were afraid they would not trust God, and they missed out, and they did not go in the promised land. I'll tell you, some of you right now, your, your fear is keeping you from what God wants in your life, and you are going to miss out, and God doesn't want you to be in that situation. God wants you to be able to be in a place where you go, man, I I experienced the pleasure of the Lord. I'm living the best life, not because of Joel Osteen's, you know, live your best life, you know, like like have everything that you want best life, but rather like I'm living the best life because I'm in the center of God's will and God is showing up in my life and I'm exactly where I should be with my walk with him. You know what God says about those that came back with an evil report? They shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers. They miss out on the pleasure of seeing the promised land. And you're going to miss out too. You don't have to. But some of you will. Because you've been doing it for so long, you go, ah, oh, it's okay. You know, it's hard to tell someone. <laughs> I can only imagine in Noah's day, rain's coming. Rain's coming. You've been saying that for a hundred years, Noah. Yeah, but it's still coming. You know what we've been saying as preachers? Jesus Christ is coming back. Oh, they've been saying that for a long time. (laughs) He's still coming back. You know, it's hard to tell a Christian you're missing out. Oh, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then someday you get to the judgment seat of Christ and you realize you really missed out. You were half the Christian that God intended you to be. Oh, I'm saved. I'm going to get there. Yep. But you're flying coach. Anybody flown recently? It's not fun you think you're going to Portland and you end up in Honolulu or something. You, you go, oh, I'd love that one, you know, I, maybe, but <laughs> your bags get lost and they don't get back to you until you get back from your two-week trip. Joe, that's what happened to him, you know. Also, I want to make a point in my mind never to travel with him. Weird things happen with Joe when he's <laughs> traveling, all right. But I, I'm making up for lost time. You haven't been here for a little bit, okay, so. But, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, like r- travel recently has just been a mess, I think some Christians live their life like the modern, like the last couple weeks of the airlines, just kind of all over the place. And, and your luggage is going to get there, but man, you're going to miss out. There's some things God's given you to enjoy right now, and you're missing out. Can I say this? You should be afraid of that. Going into this year, you should go, man, I don't want to miss out anymore. I want to be, I I be able to enjoy the pleasures of living and serving God. Look, if you would at verse 21 in our passage, we got to move. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be, why do you say it again? Because they were, they were afraid. <laughs> they were troubled. You know, anyone with kids know, you don't ever say th- something just once. You know that, right? You say it like a lot of times. You know, e- especially, you know, you just get, hey, I need you to do this, uh-huh. And they run off. 30 minutes later, I, this happened yesterday, God is my witness. I said, the boys are outside doing the chicken coop. My wife goes, and Ethan, yeah, mom, they're upstairs. She looked at me like, oh, they're in the chicken coop, huh? <laughs> I give up on knowing what to do all the time with them. They're, they've taught me so many lessons. But, but can I point out to you in verse number 21, he said it twice, he said peace more than once. And then in verse 22, Sorry, verse number 21, rather. You know what he says? He says, if My Father has sent me, even so send I you. Can I ask you a question? What are you here for? What's your purpose? You know what you miss out on when you live your life under yourself and you don't do what we're doing right now? And you don't make this a priority in your life like you ought to in 2023? Do you know what you miss out on? Being reminded of why you're here. What are you doing? Like, like, serious, ask yourself, what is my purpose right now in life? Do you know what the Lord had? The Lord had an exact plan the moment that he was born into this world. He had an exact plan about where he was gonna go and what he was going to do to fulfill the Father's will for our salvation. You, have an exa- you realize God has an exact plan for you? Do you know what part of that plan is? Is him sending you out. There's a sign over the door that says you are now entering the mission field. Can I ask you, I don't mean to pick on you. I'm not trying to beat you over the head with this, but who have you tried to talk to about Jesus Christ this week? Who have you tried to win to Jesus Christ? You know, kids come back from summer camp, and I was with them, man. I was passing out tracks all the time. And then I realized recently, I have not been doing it as much, and the Lord just smote my heart and said, what is wrong with you? Why are you here? You're taking up space if you're not doing something to tell people about Jesus Christ. You go, well, that's just a little too harsh. I don't know, but the, the Lord showed up. He didn't just tell him, hey, live your best life. Be happy and do what you want. You know what he said? As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And if you're saved and you've been saved for 20 I've been saved for 20 years, I know my Bible, great. Who are you telling Jesus uh, about Jesus Christ? Well, I, I've been going to church and I've been raised in it and I know it and I, I'm on a good clip. Wonderful, praise God. Who are you telling about Jesus Christ? Where are you going to go this week specifically with the purpose of telling someone the good news of how Christ died for them? Well, preacher, I mean, I'll, I'll, get, I'll fit it in there somewhere and there is the problem. You'll fit in there somewhere. You know why you're missing out? You know why you're not a part of that? Because oftentimes you're just missing this. You know what this reminds you of? The need to go out and do that. You know the old song, So Send I You? It's written by a woman named Margaret Clarkson who grew up in Toronto. And she wanted to go to the mission field and she couldn't because of a disability. And so... In 1954, she was up in some coal mining area trying to to work and was very isolated and very lonely. I think she said in her memoirs that she had found like three Christians that she knew at that time. There was no bible leaving church to attend, just isolated, isolated, isolated. And she was so down about the fact that she could not go to the mission field. And she said this, I experienced deep loneliness of every kind, mental, cultural, particularly spiritual. I found no Bible-teaching church fellowship and only one or two isolated Christians in those years. Studying the word of God one night and thinking of the loneliness of my situation, I came to John chapter 20, and I read the words, So send I you. And she wrote this song, So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone. So send I you to bind the bruised and broken or wandering souls to work, to weep, to wake, to bear the burden of a world of weary. So send I you to suffer for my sake. So send I you to loneliness and longing with heart a-hungering for the loved and known, forsaking home and kindred, friend and dear one. So send I you to know my love alone so send i you to leave your life's ambition to die to dear self self will resign to labor long in love where men revile you so send i you to lose your life in mine so send i you to hearts made hard by hatred is that not the world in which we live to open eyes made blind because they will not see to spend though it be blood to spend and spare not so send i you to taste of calvary That was 1954. Nine years later, she wrote a second version of that song. I didn't know this. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, After just some more maturing in the Christian life, she spent more time talking to missionaries, and they heard her song, and, and they would always commend her for it, but she always got the impression there's another side to this living the Christian life thing. So in 1963, she wrote this, So send I you by grace made strong to triumph or hosts of hell, or darkness, death, and sin, my name to bear, and in that name to conquer, so send I you my victory to win. So send I you to take the souls in bondage, the word of truth that sets the captives free, to break the bonds of sin, to lose death's fetters, so send I you to bring the lost to me so send i you my strength to know in weakness my joy and grief my perfect peace and pain to prove my power my grace my promised presence so send i you eternal fruit to gain so send i you to bear my cross with patience and then one day with joy to lay it down to hear my voice Well done, my faithful servant. Come share my throne, my kingdom, and my crown. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You see, there's two sides of that song. I love that. The reality is the Lord has sent us. The question is, are we going? I can tell you this. Thomas didn't go. You know why Thomas didn't go? He wasn't there. You know what Thomas was? Thomas was the beneficiary because somebody went after that meeting and said, you need to come. Thomas was the beneficiary of that meeting. And listen, it's okay to be a beneficiary, but you don't want to live your entire Christian life as the beneficiary of God's blessings. At some point, you want to get in a position to be able to give back. And say, man, I want to bring someone to you. I want to grab someone from the clutches of the devil and from hell and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I look at faces all over this room, and I hear—I know the testimonies of how you got saved, and it's awesome, and what a blessing. But can I say this? With 3.5 million people in this area, I think we still have some room to grow. I still think there are some people that need to hear the gospel. I don't think it should be that we go, oh, here we go. (laughs) Hey, my preacher told me I got to do this. Hey, would you like this? Great. You don't want it? Go to hell. I I don't think that's the best approach. I think there should be some joy in your life. Can I tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me? You want to tell me that in the McDonald's drive-thru? Why not? I'm about to fill myself with stuff that could kill me. Let me tell you my last dying wish. Amen? Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Listen, you ought to leave this place a little more motivated to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say this? When you lay out of here, let's be honest, you and me. How about this? Forget it. Get me out of the picture. You and God. When you lay out of church, are you as motivated to tell people about Jesus Christ? I'm not. I got a business. I got a family. I got stuff going. You know what goes in my head? Numbers, bills, stuff. You know what coming here does for me? It wakes me up and goes, oh, yeah, there's that. Look, if you would, at verse number 22. When he had said this, he breathed on them. You know what that breath is? That's the same breath that someday is going to breathe on that valley of dry bones that you read about in Ezekiel 37. And that breath is going to go out and those bones are going to be connected with those, that flesh all right? And there's going to be new bodies raised in that, that valley of dry bones. You know what that breath is? It's the same breath that breathed into the nostrils of man, the bread of life, and man became a living soul. You know what that breath is? That breath is the breath that breathed on these words and inspired them so that you could have God's words for you to lead and guide your life. You know what you need? You need God to breathe on you every once in a while. I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. There's some people I don't want breathing on me. Amen? I like personal space. When you get too close, it's kind of like, mm you know, yesterday, I tell you was the funniest thing. I'm going to tell my wife because she picks on me all the time, so it's my turn now. And so yesterday, I was eating jalapeno chips. Number one, strike one. She shouldn't be gorging on chips. I know. This year, I'm going to eat less chips. I already broke that one, right? <laughs> jalapeno <laughs> chips. I mean, ju- and, then, and I'm putting sriracha on this pork thing with coleslaw with jalapeno chips, and I'm dipping the chips in the pork with the slaw. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. It's everywhere, man. And then I came over, and I was like, I was like, hey, she goes, you need to go brush your teeth before you hold that baby or me. Burn her you want to hear something funny? 30 minutes later, she's eating jalapeno chips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she says something to me, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You best go brush those teeth. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, amen. Amen. Hey, look, there's some people I don't want breathing on me, <laughs> all right? Even someone I love, if they need to brush your teeth, br- brush your teeth first. You know what I love about the Lord? The Lord is always clean. Yeah, right. And when He breathes on you, there's a purpose for it. You know what they missed out on? They missed out on that. Listen, they, He breathes on them. They receive the Holy Ghost. I know we're on the other side of the cross. I get all that, but, but there's, a, there's a picture there. You need to get filled with the Spirit of God. You know what happens when, I, I, I believe what should happen in your life, when you gather with God's people, just another just another church service like any other day, God shows up, and He breathes on you, and He fills you. So you can keep fighting the battle. Some of you are facing some real battles in life right now. Some of you are facing battles in marriage, maybe with your kids, maybe at work, maybe in your own walk with God to, to, to fight some sin off in your life. I don't know, but you're facing some things. You can't do it on your own. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. The Lord brings you here, and He brings you here on the side of a bank, and, and the Word of God goes out in your life, and it's almost like the, the eyes open up again. And, and, and listen, you need know, to say, what is it? It's power. It's power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Simon the sorcerer tried to buy that power. And it says in Acts 10 about Jesus Christ, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with... We got a bunch of Christians that know how to build things and, and how to build a ministry and how to make a name and church merch and all the rest of it. But the power of God is missing in the prayer life and the power of God is missing when you fight sin and the power of God is missing in your marriage and you need that in your life. And you don't get it by living an isolated isolated life like an island all by yourself. God brings you here. He brings the word of God in your life. And he breathes the words that are spirit and life into you. And he goes, now you're ready. Look at verse 24. I'm going to remind you of this. But Thomas was not with him. You know what the disciples did in verse 25? They made him feel the FOMO. <laughs> you missed it, buddy. Now, I don't, I don't mean like leave New Heights today and like call someone that wasn't here. Oh, man. You should have been at church. By the way, where were you? Like, don't do that, okay? That's not what I'm advocating but the disciples did go out, and I think it was just an automatic reaction. They were so excited about what God, have you ever at all in your Christian life experienced being excited about something besides a paycheck or your tax refund or someone likes you or how many posts likes you got? Or have you ever been excited about something that is eternal in nature? Man, God worked in my life today. God showed up, and this is what he did for me. You know, when you have that experience, it's kind of hard not to talk about it. I believe in verse 26, Thomas figured it out. Because a few days later, he was there. And in verse 27, we know him as doubting Thomas. He allowed the Lord to deal with him. Can the Lord deal with you this morning? Can he say, here's the problem? And isolate. I mean, think about this. He shows up. He calls Thomas out by name. Hey, Tom. You weren't gonna believe, huh? How, you want to come over here? All the disciples are going. You ever been in a room where someone gets called out by name, and everyone else is kind of like, mm. I wonder if that's how it was? You know what Thomas did? He took it. Brother Kiran. Uh, really appreciate his testimony him and his wife come from india and there's a lot of as you know a lot of the the country is hindu i appreciate his testimony about things they've experienced there and about how challenging it is to be a christian there and and when they did their missionary presentation we had our our missions fair downstairs that was awesome i can't wait to do it again this year when they did that you know he reminded me of of thomas and history tells us that thomas reached as far as india with the gospel. In 52 A.D., he came to Kerala. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, bro. I have no idea. He's smiling going, probably not. It's okay. <laughs> to preach about Jesus, and later on, he moved to present-day Chennai. In 72 A.D., he was killed, and he was buried by his disciples with a place to mark his tomb. You know what that tells me? Even doubters can get right. Even if you miss out, God can use you. The key is going, I don't want to miss out again. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. Lord, thank you for all that you do, all that you can do. Lord, when the word of God goes out, Lord, I pray that it would touch hearts. I pray that people, Lord, that that you want to see move spiritually, would move. Lord, that you would put a hunger and a desire and a deep embedded passion in our hearts, Lord, of being afraid of missing out on what you have for us this year. God, that you'd have us not just be the same and just come to church and go through the motions and do the sign of the cross, get down, get up, get down, get up, and leave with nothing changing. Many of us would say, oh, no, 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 I'm not that religion, but we act exactly that way, Lord. We want to stop it. We want to repent of that. And we want to acknowledge, Lord, some things do need to change in God. Our, our, our fear of missing out, Lord, it's misplaced often in this world. Would you help us to move it in the right direction and have the fear of God, to fear missing out on what you're doing? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray that you'd respond. I ask you, do you have any ambition for the Lord this year? Anything you want to see God do? Don't miss out. You ought to be afraid of missing out. That's something you ought to be afraid of. I'm telling you right now. And then, with the grace, things you can do is say, God, with your help and by your grace, I'm not going to miss out. Starting with, I'm just going to be here when the doors are open. Can I tell you the interesting commentary in John 20 is the disciples were there when the doors were shut. Doors are open here. You know what God wants to do when you show up? He wants to do something in your life that carries you well beyond a church service. He, He wants to He wants to fill you. He wants to see gladness in your life. He wants to remind you of your purpose and your plan. You are here for a reason. It is not simply to take up space. It is to go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and make a difference. In this world, in this life, you got one shot at this. You got one life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know one of the scariest things to me is people that grow up in church and hear this stuff all the time, and it's like it doesn't phase them, it doesn't get to them, it's like there's just nothing there. I don't question your salvation, I question your sanity though. How could you how could you live your life to yourself never tell anybody about Jesus Christ never attempt to make an impact never attempt to do anything for the Lord how could you do that I want to hear him say well done had a Facebook memory pop up of my mentor and good friend Billy Haas saw his face missed him prayed for Cindy All I could think of is, man, if he could tell us right now what he's seeing and what he's experiencing. That wind that blows off that crystal sea, that sea of glass, that wind is offered by the breath of God himself. I think you would tell us, live every day to your fullest for Jesus. Maybe let God, ask God to break your heart for people. I'm going to tell myself, last night I was thinking about a certain political figure. My mind works in weird ways. And the Lord said, would you pray for her? How did I pray for her? The Lord said, I died for her. Jesus Christ did not die for Republicans, people, or Democrats. He died for souls. Maybe you should ask God to break your heart for people. Everything out there, man, so much of it is a facade pretending to have purpose, pretend, just going after something in life, but then you're done. And what did you really do? Here's a man named Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, lived for, not for himself, but for three and a half years, poured himself in a short ministry, short life, poured himself into the lives of others, at the end gave his life. We're still talking about him today. What a legacy. That's the life you want. Don't, listen to me, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Man, thank you for coming in today. I want to encourage you this year to, all the resolutions you got, I'm not saying they're all bad, there's probably some great ones in there. Maybe be resolved to to be more fearful of missing out on what God wants for you than on what the world is offering. And, and I pray that would maybe change your outlook and hopefully change your life as you go into this new year. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Thank you for being here. want to invite you back Wednesday night at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll be gathering around the Word of God again, and we'll get back into uh, finishing up our series uh, on music. Uh, as we started that months ago, we'll, we're going to finish that up and start a new series after that. I want to encourage you to be here. And then the kids are back in DBC uh, as well. So... Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Don't forget to pray for one another, especially those that have been sick and struggling with all of that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Carlos, would you ask the Lord's blessing on what we just heard?